0: Hi James. Ben, how are you? Uh I'm I'm good. I, I hear you're on the road. I am on the road. I'm in sunny Florida. Hey, you can't you just you just
1: changed your pronunciation. Did I? You did. Uh, you I was mocking have said you anything. for your I know, I know. I felt you, you had too many syllables in your pronunciation of Florida? Florida or whatever you said Florida.
0: You made me all self-conscious about it. I was like, I've had, this is a topic of conversation that came up today, actually. We were talking about food at work and the word uh, tomato came up and everybody started laughing. And I was like, you know what? I've learned to say that the way that people don't laugh at me or some people, I've learned to say it as tomato because the number of times I've said it wanting it, and people look at me like I am from Mars and not knowing that I'm asking for tomatoes. I've learned to say tomato as tomato. Like this song. Or
1: or, or not knowing that you're from Australia, which is kind of the same thing,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, it's a red, uh, barren, like not much rain. Very similar. Okay, uh, well, uh, so I want to do a, a few bits of follow-up
1: on uh, the Apple services thing. because mm. I, I think there's this... I, and it's not really follow-up because I think we actually – or we were very clear about this, um, or I was very clear about this both in the article, in my follow-up, and on the podcast, but people are still getting this wrong. So the problem must be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's worth the word services. When I say services, I'm not talking about just iCloud. Mm. And and almost you – know, I keep getting responses, oh, I called fine or fine for me or I called this, I called that. And it, th- that, it, and no one – so either – no one who is objecting to – I mean there are reasons to object to it. But I, I find it striking that the vast majority of people who are objecting to it – and again, I wasn't saying Apple should do this. I was saying if they're serious about services, mm. they, they, they should do this. And we can get into the um, – that actually did come up on, on, on the
0: earnings call. I thought uh, you were pretty clear about that. Because, I know because I, I wait. I pulled you up on this. I said like the article sounded a little uh, like uh d- downbeat at the end and uh, like around the services stuff. And I remember talking to you about it. It's like I'm not saying they sh- they should do it, but if they are going to do it, they should do it seriously. And this is the way to do it seriously. Oh
1: oh yeah yeah no, I think we're clear on that. I'm, I'm talk- but I, but on on this other point, i like it's not just iCloud. I mean I've um i i'm pleased at how much reach and and discussion this article has generated but it's been very frustrating that people missed a really big point here if this was only about iCloud then then one it it wouldn't be a a, a serious effort by apple because one they're 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 just so frankly hopelessly behind in that particular area. But two, like they're, they're, they're good enough for what they do. Like I is for the most part good enough. Like there's, there's definitely flaws in it. And, and I'm sorry, anyone that says it, it is competitive. Um, I think you need to expand your, your horizons a little bit, but it is by and large, it is by and large good enough, and the other thing too is they're they're never going to really make money off of iCloud. So I think for me talking about the P and L angle and stuff like that, and if your if your mindset is that this is only about iCloud, then and I got people saying, "Oh, you want Apple what? Just charging people for email?" I'm like, "No, like that's again." If you're if you're thinking about if you hear the word services and you only think iCloud, then by definition, what I wrote is not going to really make any sense.
0: Mm right it's um it's that's coming at it from the perspective of uh what Apple's doing as opposed to stepping away from the organization as it currently thinks about the world and as it's currently structured to think about all the Incredible things you could do if you're a services organization, in the same way that Google approaches problems, or or any of these big services, cloud, software companies think about problems. Like it's starting to take that approach instead.
1: Well, let's, let's, let's here's an example. Uh. I mean, what is the most profitable service that Apple has by far? The one that makes their services, as they point out on earnings calls, a multi billion dollar division. So uh, it's, it's the it's, App Store, right? Yeah, uh, sorry. I, I, you, I You didn't let me I, answer your question. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm a little worked up. No, it's it's the App Store. The App Store is a service. It is a source of, rec- again, it's a source of recurring revenue. And we've spent several episodes, and, and everyone in the Mac ecosystem has, or the Apple ecosystem, I should say, has complained at some point or another about frustration with how apple runs the app store mm. like that is part in parcel with what i'm talking about in fact i think one of the fundamental weaknesses that apple has and i again i wrote this in the article but i think people just they're they're so locked into services equals iCloud that they missed it like one of the big weaknesses apple has is they're not very good at engendering a far-flung ecosystem of disparate actors where you have to put in you have to put in the incentives, you have to structure the incentives and the policies mm. around an ecosystem such that people do the the optimal thing. And in the case of the App Store, for example, they we have argued that Apple has not set up the policies and, and and things such that you can build complex, sustainable businesses on top of the App Store, except for except for in-app purchases. And we've expressed frustration about this. And and I think part of the reason is that uh, – well, well, just in general, a big reason is Apple is not very good at giving up control. They, they have to control everything and to, to manage something in a way that I'm talking about is more about giving up control because you're, you're, you're operating a big – system via very small levers and there's a lot of uncertainty and things can go wrong. There's a lot of experimentation and figuring it out. And oh, by the way, that just sounds like what I was describing needs to be a core skill set of a services type organization.
0: Mm. It's, it's that same old thing. Like the strength comes back to bite you as a weakness. Like exactly, exactly part of the reason it's so awesome to walk inside of their retail operations is because like that culture, that approach to like controlling everything down to the nth degree makes the experience so different from where it's all these modular pieces and like, I'm just stocking these different things and you're going to get a commission and et cetera, et cetera. uh, The salesperson's getting a commission and it's this endless array of choices because it's this Th- this thing that's been built up over time that, that all these different actors and in a retail environment, it works phenomenally well. Come along, reimagine it. But there are other environments where that approach clearly doesn't work. And I think you're spot on. Like it, I we've talked, I remember talking about how it's holding them back on the iPad and like this, this service is like it's you're, yes, you're absolutely right.
1: Well, and the, I mean, and I think the other example is, and so the the real risk is again, the things that they haven't done yet. it's things like like Apple pay, like and, and mm. again, I think we talked about this, but mm. I, there's lots of you can go on go online and look at Apple's small and medium businesses site about apple pay and and see how how pathetic it is. Like, and again, I've heard I've talked to multiple small business owners that they can't even get someone from Apple to. Like the they phone. don't even – well, they can't even get it set up because there's little things on the edges or whatever. Now, has Apple gotten Apple Payout in some places? Yes, but mostly by partnering with massive organizations where – again, like where they have control and they can dictate the terms. But to set up an incentive structure so that it gets spread out widely and, and then you start – and like where's – why haven't we heard anything about about the about the coupons and and all that sort of stuff? Which is apparently in there. They talked about it kind of in passing WBC, but like there's there's no no real information out there. Like again, like if you want to foster th- something that is meaningful and and at, at scale, it's going to require a significant degree of of letting go, and also very actively incentivizing the sort of behavior that that you want to happen and that it's just not in the DNA. like it's not in homekit too is homekit is the other yeah, one I'm mean, like the right. home was, was su- I was super excited about it. I thought it was very a very big deal and basically nothing has happened there for all intents and purposes and again meanwhile you I mean again it's early days it's early days for sure but Echo is out there running circles around them they sure is and well not only they're running circles around them but Amazon has it in their DNA to do this correctly. And so I, I was talking to a friend about this the other day and he was like, eh, Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're you're too bullish on the echo. It's still it's only the second inning of a nine inning game. I'm like, Yes, but it's a second inning. At, but one, they are definitely ahead. Two, in any sort of ecosystem platform competition, first mover has a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. And three, if we look at the companies and their fundamental skill sets
0: and incentives, we should expect Amazon to win. No, no argument absolutely no argument i think you're absolutely right it's just it's so um it's so funny because you can see them get this right in some very specific ways in other arenas like you uh read about how they're thinking about designing their campus And they talk about how they're building it in order to facilitate innovation and facilitate people accidentally meeting in the corridors and facilitate all all this kind of stuff. That that it it is an ecosystem, but it's like this very. They're able to think about it right when it's within the closed walls of their own organization. But as soon as you get outside those walls, they just they struggle with it
1: right exactly and and again just to just to carry the other big thing is this pnl question and the reason why it would need its own P&L, in my estimation if you were actually serious about this is is that again that as soon as you start saying oh like there's a a lot of people are like well i agree it needs to be separated out but not not using not using not use a pnl like they need to use they need to use like down certain measurements and customer satisfaction or different KPIs where it might be. And the problem is like your, that is far more constrained. That depends on getting the KPIs right. And, and, and the beauty of this sort of, of the p thing is not that we're going to make them charge you for email, but rather it gives the manager both the maximum amount of flexibility to figure out what works and again what what is needed is more iteration more innovation more experimentation and that gives maximum flexibility to to the the manager of this business unit and at the same time it it provides maximum accountability like yeah. like either you're succeeding or you're not and and again given the just how strong that culture is Ideally, you want to get a situation where like the retail stores, the good parts of that culture carry over and, and you have a striving for perfection. Mm. But on the flip side, you want to make sure it doesn't become overwhelming where the need to control everything just strangles everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. The, the accountability part, this notion that you can't just ride on the coattails of the hardware once you start doing this is is, is like the critical part. Like when you start when you start charging people for things you get you get to a or it doesn't need to ultimately be the customer i guess in the same way it doesn't need to be the customer with google though it would be a surprise to me if they started with an uh if they went down the advertising path but it does force you to like create value and think through all these difficult problems as opposed to historically the reason that they can even claim they're a services company is because they've just been like the services have been swept along in the in the in the the tailwind of the incredible hardware,
1: right? Exactly, and, and so and again, you can set like the target figures, and you can say like no advertising or whatever. Which which, and again, that gets to the point that I'm not talking about just iCloud. Like there are significant opportunities here that that don't necessarily have anything to do that anything to do with iCloud. And again, I'm not saying that they. That they, sh- Ooh, I guess the other thing that, that is interesting to me about this is like this idea of having a divisional organization that is that is held accountable by a P&L. Like because Apple is Apple and it's such a big deal in tech people are like all aghast and can't believe what a radical idea this is. This is like accepted wisdom in like every other single business in the world. Yeah, it, it I, it's just, I, it's interesting how people got to react to it that way. Well,
0: I think it's because the company has managed to associate itself as associate itself with this model like it it's almost like part of the the myth of the company that like the reason we're so different is because of the way we approach this problem and this is i mean this is what we talked about last week this is like they need to understand why it works in like there needs to be a deep understanding like why it works in some circumstances will result in it not working in other circumstances and you need to move away from some of these things at certain points in order to be successful in something else.
1: Yeah. No, totally. Anyhow, um, uh Steve Linovich, who who is a fellow uh, Wisconsin and Kellogg graduate and mm. the, the Apple analyst at, at, at UBS. Uh, he actually, so he went ahead and asked, asked uh cook directly about this, you know, like basically you, you mentioned that they highlighted it. Are they thinking about it being a, a, a driver or is it just a support? And, and Cook basically said, well, yeah, it's just a support. You know, he's like, you know, the the reality, you know, overwhelming the thing that drives us are to embark on services that help uh, have a great customer experience and become part of the ecosystem. The reality is in doing so, we have we have developed a large and profitable business in the services arena. And we felt it would be beneficial to kind of ex- expose that to, to investors. So it it ultimately um, the Apple was at least I think about as clear as they could be that they were just
0: trying to. <laughs> they were just um, trying to get a services multiple attached to their business.
1: Yeah, and, they, and it, which is what I wrote after that that earning that first earnings call like like three months ago. Like I said, I I spent all this time like Apple's not because the whole th- the whole th- and everyone bought into it right. There were all the stories Apple's a services company blah blah blah. And I wrote the time Apple's not a services company. They're getting services revenue for free, not for free, but I mean like by. Virtue of their of their platform, but until they change this, this, and this, they're not a services company. And and sure enough, um, th- thanks thanks for Steve for kind of nailing him on that 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 no, they're they're not a services company.
0: Yeah, I mean they haven't changed this this or this. They uh, yeah I, I'm yeah it's interesting that um it's interesting that when pushed they 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 kind of backed away from it. Um, the uh the earnings the earnings this quarter though it's been. One hell of a run to get up to this point uh, in your, in your, uh, uh, your uh, was it? Daily no, it, yeah, it was a daily update. I was trying to think whether it was an article or a daily update, but in your daily update, you included the picture of all the past earnings and f- for as way back when it's always been record, record, record and it it would seem that all for those folks that have been saying yelling pro- possibly for as long as the last 5 years maybe even further back law of large numbers law of large numbers they finally managed to hit the the roof and maybe not not to say that they won't go higher again but for the first time in as many years as i can remember it hasn't been record
1: yeah and I mean, there's been uh, uh, you know panic and consternation about Apple's earnings in the past. Um, obviously, this this helps this helps ramp it up. And I wrote actually because I mean, you knew that this quarter is going to be bad because they I mean they said so as much last quarter. I mean, because last quarter should have not been a record either, except that last quarter they built up inventory and and so basically, Apple's results are based on the number of phones they make, not the number of phones they sell and uh last quarter they made uh more than they needed. And so they said there was an inventory buildup last quarter. And and if you would have backed out that that inventory buildup, they actually would have been down year over year the last quarter. So the only mm-hmm. reason they kind of they kind of skated through was was through an inventory buildup. And and so so one, you knew this was coming. And actually last quarter I I pointed out that kind of people are pointing out now, but I I wrote this three months ago that if you look at the iPhone over a three to four year timescale, it's actually still on a pretty much a linear growth path. Um, actually, it's it's exceeding that. It's just that 2015 was such an aberration that 2016 seems worse, but if you, in the context of the phone, it's, it's it's actually good. And so I said then that this year will be rough, but next year should be, should be better.
0: Uh, yeah, I, the the big screens in the China coming online, right? Um, right, the, but, but I will tell you, James, I'm very concerned. And the reason I'm so I wrote that three months ago, and so what, three months ago I was not very concerned. Now it, it adds a sorry to interrupt. It certainly adds a new light to why they were trying to highlight services. Maybe it was like they knew what was coming. It's like look over here instead. They didn't know what was coming. That's yeah. what's concerning. Yeah, like
1: they said last quarter that this quarter would be the worst worst comp of the year. Like they're going to have, this quarter is going to be the toughest quarter. Now they're saying this quarter that actually next quarter is going to be the worst comp of the year. And they're blaming that on this $2 billion inventory rundown. Now, now, now I just talked about inventory a moment ago, that basically the only reason they were up year over year last quarter was because they built up inventory. Well, the only reason they were down this quarter, the only reason they made their guidance was because they built up inventory even more. And- they they've built up inventory over the last two quarters to the point where next quarter they are going to basically take, it's not a charge, but it's almost like a $2 billion charge in that they're pre-announcing there's $2 billion worth of iPhones. We're not going to make this quarter because we need to run down our inventory like, and, and, and which means that next quarter is going to be brutal there. But the other thing is, even if you back out that $2 billion, Next quarter is still going to be more brutal than they suggested. Again, they don't give two two quarter out predictions. Mm-hmm. But if you take Luca Maestri saying that next quarter will be the worst quarter, actually, no, that's not true. Like, because even if you back out that two billion, the third quarter was going to be even worse, which means to it's it's going worse than Apple thought. So one, there's there's definite evidence they're not quite sure what's going on. And then and then two, the the so this Apple spent all this time talking about, one, the inventory reduction, and then, two, Cook was going on and on about the upgrade rate. Like, oh, people just aren't upgrading. If people were upgrading, they're upgrading better than the 5S but not nearly as good as the 6. And so someone pushed him on this. Like, yeah, if they upgraded as, as quickly as they did to the 6, like, we'd be throwing a party right now. And the, the problem and the reason this concerns me is Cook sold this. Not that many people have upgraded narrative all through the iPhone 6 cycle. And saying, "Oh, you know, because everyone was asking him, but oh, next year's going to be tough. How are you about comps?" Blah blah blah. blah. And every single time, Cook would say, "Oh, we have all these people that haven't upgraded yet. We think it's going to be great. We have lots of room ahead of us." Da da da. da. And again, he's complete, like really done a complete 180 on what he said just a few months ago. And my concern is not that he was being deceitful. I don't think he was by any means because it wouldn't be incredibly dumb to do because he was setting up Apple for this fall today. But two. The reason it's concerning is I don't think they know. They don't know what the upgrade rate is for the iPhone. They don't know how the iPhone sells in a world where you're not getting new countries and new carriers coming online. And they're almost, and clearly they're more blind than they've
0: been in a very, very long time. It's been so many years now where it's just been blue sky, whether it's like they've been, you can you can bring on more countries or like what happened last last uh, quarter well with the six rather when you can bring on that big screen and drive a whole host of um a whole host of people upgrading because of those features and this is this is really the the that's the, the the point at which they're actually starting to look like they hit steady state um the the thing that's instructive for me is the analysis that you did where you looked at the sales rate over the last three to four years and you assumed that the six wasn't the blockbuster hit that it was it was and rather just ex- uh, assume it out straight line growth what extrapolated is the word yeah for. yes sorry thank you extrapolate Extrapolated out straight line growth. I I wonder how they're doing relative to that. So they 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 are now slightly down or
1: not down. Mm. They're, they're still up for from that trend, but but they're they're um the it, it looks like on the year basis they're 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 probably going to be slightly down on that. And that's again it's that's that's okay. I guess the the concern that I have. And the reason I mentioned this, this accuracy bit is one thing that's always been kind of amazing about Apple is that th- they're, they've been unbelievably accurate for, for years. I mean, they would occasionally miss, but by accurate, I mean, not just hitting within their guidance, but they would be off from their guidance by like a predictable amount. Right. So for famous, for famously for years, they would overshoot their guidance, but they would overshoot their guidance by a consistent amount usually. Mm. And then they, and then they announce, okay guys, sorry, we've been, we, we've, totally been sandbagging. We're going to be more honest now. And then they kept sort of landing within their guidance, but Mm. they kept landing within their guidance like at at about the same place every single time. It was Mm. amazing. And... I look back on that, and, and and now over the last five quarters, including the iPhone 6, they've been really inaccurate, or inaccurate, I should say, relative to, and again, relative to most companies, quite accurate, but relative to their history, less less accurate, and the iPhone 6, they were way low, like the iPhone 6 blew up past their expectations for several quarters in a row, and now they're, and now it's coming in, and now they're, they're, they're too high. Again, the, the reason they're making their numbers is because of, of this inventory buildup, and now by doing it this way and by saying next quarter we're going to be lay, way low, they'll make sure they meet expectations. They're kind of getting ahead of it. What was happening all that time was there were structural changes being made to the iPhone market on a regular basis. And what I mean is they were adding carriers mm. and they were adding countries. And you could say, okay, we're adding X carrier with X million subs. And we and, and we know from adding X, Y carrier that we get Y percentage of subs. And – and there's no question that for years a significant driver of iPhone growth has just been increasing the, the available market for the iPhone. Mm-hmm. What was different about the iPhone 6 growth – was the iPhone 6 growth. It had already been on China Mobile for a few months. But one, the China Mobile thing was a big deal for sure. But also, this was – the iPhone 6 was almost completely consumer demand-driven driven, driven mm. growth. People really wanted the iPhone 6. And estimating consumer demand is a lot more difficult than calculating a structural change in the mm-hmm. market. And I don't think it's an accident that Apple was a bit off there and the same thing today. If those structural additions are going away, and the iPhone growth from now on is going to be about stealing share from Android or driving upgrade from previous iPhone purchases, that's just a lot harder to to estimate. And frankly, it's a it's a sort of muscle that Apple hasn't had to really utilize or flex in a very long time. And I think there's a lot of evidence that they're. When I say they're blind, I'm not saying they're willfully blind. I'm saying
0: they're not, they're not sure. Yeah. It sounds like they were clearly surprised by the extent to which the six brought future purchases. Uh, they, it brought future purchases to the present. So it brought them forward. Um, and it sounds like now on the backside of that, they kind of assumed that was going to be an ongoing thing, but they might've, uh, it, it almost sounds like, I mean, it obviously was a failure of forecasting, but you're right. You're absolutely right about the structural. Like, that's something that's predictable. You – roll it out on this network and based on the income in this country, you can predict we'll take this percentage as people renew over this many months. They clearly were caught off guard with the six. I remember how long it took them to catch up with demand and it sounds like they started to base their assumptions around the fact that what happened with the six would be an ongoing thing and they've been caught flat-footed in the other direction. They over-predicted. Yeah, it's it's an interesting problem to find yourself in
1: it is and the other thing well the, the, again the the one thing the re- the reason i'm concerned about this is it was tim cook last, a big reason why i have been optimistic about the iphone as a whole has been was exactly this was tim cook's continual contention that actually not that many people have upgraded we still have a lot of open field in front of us and in retrospect now cook has completely changed his tune that oh we had a huge upgrade cycle last year and you know people just have aren't, aren't upgrades much discord because we pulled all these upgrades forward I, just to be he, he he's completely changed he's completely changed his tune and again i'm not accusing him of malfeasance i my point is i th- it, it 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 seems that those pronouncements last year were not founded on i don't know what they were founded on so
0: so it sounds like they must have thought that they were bringing in new users when really they were upgrading existing users and and now I mean there must be some explanation if he, if he, like let's assume he's right at face value if they're not upgrades they must have been new users or at least that's what they thought they must have been new users and it turns out that rather than these folks being new users leaving this large pool of uh, uh existing users still ready to upgrade it turns out that they were actually people upgrading they were selling to the existing base rather than building uh, building out the base and they've been caught by surprise by the fact they've misattributed they've misattributed where those users were coming from. Or the, uh, it's, the sales. It's, it's, it's were a
1: little from. it's a little subtler than that. I, I think there's zero question they drew in a ton of new users. Uh, but but wh- the I think what they misunderestimated with the six cycle is that they because they, they they knew how many up of the sales were upgrades. So the they first must, score was like right? oh twelve percent twelve percent of iPhone six uh, or of iPhone users have upgraded. The next mm. score was like twenty percent, and I think by the end it was like forty percent. And I think the mistake they made was presuming those numbers were normal when when actually that was a pheno- it turns out that was a phenomenal upgrade rate and. And I think they've gotten smarter about it since then. Like, cause now in this last call, Cook went back to the 5S upgrade rate, which he never did previously. So I suspect mm. someone got told, actually, we messed this up. Go back and research this and figure out like what exactly is our historical sort of upgrade rate. Because again, the 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 rhetoric could not have been more different, more different on this call. And clearly the amount of uh, research that went into the rhetoric this call was greater than it had than it had been previously so basically my takeaway is there's the scale of the 6 was so great they they absolutely draw in a ton drew in a ton of new users what I think they got wrong was
0: not that they were selling the existing base but that the existing base up the upgrade rate to the six of the existing base was going to be that that would continue forward when in fact it was driven by this big screen phenomenon which was a one-time thing
1: yeah and they were definitely pulling forward sales for sure like basically yeah they were pulling forward more sales than they thought they were if that base and the reason it's concerning is when it comes to the iphone 7 and going back to growth and again my, my my contention has been that the iphone 7 will re will return to growth but We right now the evidence that those iPhone six buyers are going to buy a new iPhone we don't like we don't know like and the numbers are so vast that if Hmm. the current base isn't upgrading there aren't enough new users out there to make up for that like you're starting to fall back into what's happened to the iPod and or the iPad sorry and what's happened to to. The, the PC a long time ago where the current phone's good enough. Like, I mean, this is classic, yeah. right? The current phone's good yep. enough. And it's not a, it's not, the, the iPhone's not in trouble. It's not, the business isn't, they're not abandoning the iPhone to go to Android. They're just-
0: Not growing. The
1: enemy of, yeah, they're not growing. The enemy of future sales is is the phone they already have. And to take this full circle, like that actually is- a big reason to drive a services narrative because what you can say is sure we have all these iPhone users that aren't necessarily buying new iPhones yet but they're still iPhone users and they're still generating a lot of revenue for us and we should be given
0: credit for that. So it's uh, you're absolutely right. The the thing that's also concerning about this like it's one thing when a company misses earnings guidance and sure pisses off the financial markets what's a little more concerning though is that there are a whole bunch of I mean, I think part of the reason that historically they've been so good around their forecasting is because they release a new product. They have to figure out capacity to build the damn thing, how many to build. And you don't want to go over and you don't want to go under because you overinvest from a capital perspective or you under in you have all these machinery sitting around and then – or you have to do the inventory drawdowns. Or you underinvest and you leave a whole bunch of untapped demand and people get frustrated and go buy Something else. It's concerning that they get this wrong from the perspective of getting the number of phones right they actually need to build.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, well, the other that—that's the other thing that they really missed was they—they dramatically underestimated iPhone SE demand, uh, and so their like their hope is that they get supply demand balance this upcoming quarter. Like they're. They're uh, a lot more people want it than they expected their forecast. They don't forecast average selling price, but their forecasted margin is down quite a bit, which, mm. which, and they said that that $2 billion inventory drawdown would be primarily about the 6S and the 6S plus. So they're going to be making a lot of lower price phones, which I mean, net, they will be feeling the heat from that decision. We admired uh probably faster than they appreciated like cuz the other thing is iphone units were actually decent last quarter but they they were all the people weren't buying the new one they weren't buying the 6s and that that looks like it's going to be the case this coming quarter they they're, they're going to sell a lot of SEs and, but the 6s is is not Moving the needle,
0: yeah. I, I mean, again, comparing it to historics or comparing, like, and this is so often the problem and and one of the causes of thinking inside of management that leads to disruption. Like, you, you've got to keep growing, you've got to keep the margins up, you've got to keep doing better quarter over quarter, and the assumption is that that's something that can be done in perpetuum. But it, it like, it, eventually that can't be true. And if you're going to lose sales because people want to buy more affordable device, it's better to be selling them one yourself than them having to go out and buy somebody else's. So I I still think it's the right call. The problem is you never have the counterfactual to back it up. And when people see the numbers going down, then you get all the pressure.
1: If, If you could put aside the, again, which you can't, if you could put aside the cultural challenges and issues and wanting to mess with what makes Apple Apple, like, there is a really compelling case to be made for starting to give away, uh, you, you know, really blow out the iPhone base, like the the SE, moving down mark, moving prices down again, not not a ton, but some, and really building out this ser- the services the services narrative. Like that would be the true truly disruptive thing to do, but
0: yeah. this is
1: like, well, it would entail giving up billions of dollars of profit along the way. And this is why This is why I always got, we've had arguments about this, I think. Like I've always pushed back on Apple, the narrative that Apple has disrupted itself because all the examples of Apple disrupting themselves are mostly them selling higher margin products that are more expensive. It's great that they sold the iPhone that killed the iPod, but it was also great for their bottom line. And the truth is, The number – the examples of companies, including Apple, that actually chop off a massive moneymaker in in pursuit of a completely new business model, it just doesn't exist and it doesn't exist for very good reasons.
0: Yeah. I mean the the (sighs) – I, I, I mean, I agree. It, I wouldn't say they've disrupted themselves. They certainly have cannibalized themselves, though, which is – even that is unusual for a for sure, big, for sure. big company like this.
1: It, it is very admirable. I mean, just to be clear, I'm not trying to short shrift it,
0: but you're right. I think there, it, there is a distinction. Right. It, like the, the it's when you're going down for, for like introducing lower margin products. I'm trying to think, I can't remember off the top of my head. Are the iPad or the Mac margins more attractive? iPad margins. Yeah, see, I mean it's another example where they've cannibalized themselves, but they've cannibalized themselves with a higher a higher margin product. The the and again, to their credit, because most businesses can't even bring themselves to do that because there's a business unit that's established that's thinking about a profit and loss for that one product and it all it sees is this new thing coming up as a threat and it does everything it can to kill it what what's i still think it's pretty cool what they've done with the se because within a within a unit within a business unit they've gone down not that they have units but within a product line they're taking the margins down as opposed to taking the margins up which i think for all the reasons we talked about it's pretty cool
1: Anyhow, yeah we we spent way more time in this than 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 we planned yeah uh, i think uh, the, i just think the one other meta observation i would make uh, uh this this week was i mean i i feel we're seeing a lot of trends like really come to a tee. One is the 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 smartphone saturation sort of thing, which is mm. certainly, you know, again, I think the iPhone the iPhone is fine. It's not gonna be it's certainly not going to be displaced by Android. And I think over time it will continue to to win people's second, third, fourth, et cetera, smartphone. People go to iPhone, they rarely leave. But but the market is saturated and that means that there's just not going to be that that much growth. The China thing is also very concerning, but mm. but two, Google miss, Microsoft miss. Twitter, miss mm. Twitter. I mean, Twitter is a like... We're all Twitter di- does is miss. No, well, no. Sorry. Twitter. No, all Twitter <laughs> does usually is beat revenue expectations and then disappoint on users. And what I've been saying for going on three years now is that that is going to end. Like, at the end of the day, the revenue is dependent on the user base and the user base isn't big enough. And it, by all accounts, that looks like what's happened this quarter. And Google, same thing. Google, Google was uh google's moving to you know the shift to mobile is not, is not beneficial to google's bottom line and but it's very beneficial to facebook's bottom line facebook mm. crushed it everyone missed and then facebook comes in and crushed it mm. and i just think we're seeing the the culmination of a lot of trends that 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 we've been talking about uh, in,
0: in over this last week yes i i it, it's been instructive watching them all just roll in and then f- yeah, the last one to come in was Facebook, and they really did hit it out of the park. So the uh, speaking of
1: Google, we talked about this a, a couple of years ago. Uh, the the challenge of, of sort of antitrust in in mm. in, in, in the modern era, and we're a little far into this, and this is probably a, a, a pretty deep topic. But we should definitely, I think, it's something worth worth exploring more. In part, it it it's a. It's a difficult question. So Google is is being accused of antitrust violations in the EU around Android, and I think the key thing to understand here is Google actually structured Android. And a big reason why Android was was open source was to protect it against, like, to, basically they, they 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 structured Android first, Android being open source, and second, the Google Mobility Suite being an optional add on to basically avoid the things that Microsoft got nailed at with with, with, micro, with Windows. I mean, because basically, you know, by being free, they could argue that they've lowered the cost for end users. So in the U.S., as we talked about, the U.S. is concerned about, about consumers. Mm. Uh, by being free, they, they've basically foreclosed U.S. antitrust action against themselves. And we've seen that. The U.S. has dismissed complaints by and large against them, and I don't think they'll investigate here. Whereas the EU is more concerned about about the effects on competition, so that doesn't help. But in the case of Windows, buying a license was the only viable option for OEMs, right? It, Google can claim that because Android is open source, they're, they have a choice to do Android; like they're not forcing anything on anyone. And three, Microsoft was was bundling the Internet Explorer. Like if you got Windows, you had to get Internet Explorer. In, in Europe, it was more about Windows Media Player; you had to get Windows Media Player. Whereas Google is again saying oh the mobility suite is is a choice and i think actually and you see google's response and they they touch on all these sorts of things and google i think would be right if the monopoly they were accused of leveraging was was android but actually the monopoly they're accused of leveraging is the google play store and i don't think they and i think that's probably surprised to google if you told google that 10 years ago like the like but it's true the key piece of leverage google has is the play store and that's what is being bundled with everything else and that's what's driving the forcing forcing you know, defaults to Google search. And that's what's driving the you can't build something else if you use this. All the problematic aspects of Google's behavior are tied to the contract that allows for the inclusion of the Google Play Store, basically. Well,
0: that's that's the one thing that allows them to uh, to... St- it basically keeps people in the house around, uh, uh, kind of obeying the laws that they want people to obey around being in the Android ecosystem. Because uh, if you deviate too far, and given it's open source, like there's a lot of scope to deviate from from the the way that Google wants you to use Android. The one thing, the one card they have to play to keep people in the house is the App Store, and it is a or the Play Store, and it is a big card to play. Um. It
1: because, it, it I mean you could you could get a I mean, take Google Maps. I think Google Maps is a phenomenal service. Like I've talked about it like it, it runs circles around anything else for me here. Mm. Uh but there are other map services, like it, it, you get here maps, for example, or 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 TomTom Tom or whatever. There are alternatives to Google to Google Maps. And the reason alternatives can exist, even if I don't think they're as good, but they could theoretically be as good, is what goes into making a good mapping service better. Yes, there's feedback from users and people using it is certainly a component that works to Google's advantage. But it's also just like the hard work of building out a mapping service and having people driving roads and, and figuring it out and, and making corrections and and all that sort of stuff. It's much more under a company's control, mm. whereas when you're dealing with the App Store, it's to our – we talked about this with Apple. It's much more of a, a network effect-driven ecosystem that you can't will into existence. Microsoft tried this. They tried to will app stores into existence. Amazon tried. They tried to will the Amazon version of the Android app store into existence with incentives, paying developers. It doesn't work because you need... It's a, it's a two-sided marketplace that is demand-driven first and foremost. You have to have the customers first before you can have the supply apps, but you're never going to get the customers without the apps. And given we're in an environment where there are already two platforms that have all the apps... It's it's basically impossible. It's and it's been impossible for it's been obvious for years that no one else is going to displace these two because of the app stores.
0: Right. It it was funny, and I'm probably missing something completely obvious when I ask this question. But if the if the charge that. Uh, the charge that europe is leveling against google is that they have a monopoly over app, the app store in their respective operating system couldn't that same charge be leveled at apple as well it could but the the
1: app, app and this is the advantage of apple's model they only sell to like 15 to 20% of the market
0: Oh, so, so it so, is. So it isn't just looking at the consumer side; it uh, the supplier side rather. It is looking at the consumer side as well. Yeah, I mean, Apple does a lot of anti-competitive stuff on their platform, like the the whole idea of being uh,
1: closed. All garden. of it, right? Right. But usually, and Europe is actually pretty aggressive. I think once you pass like a forty percent market share, uh. you can be susceptible. You can be uh, susceptible to this, but Apple is nowhere close to that. And I think I think they're around twenty percent in in Europe, and. So that by and large insulates them. I mean, they did have some weird language about like a oh, licensable operating systems, but the, the, there's no question Apple engages in anti-competitive behavior.
0: Right. It, I, I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I, the thing that confused me a little bit was if you're, if you're ignoring the consumer side of things, then it kind of implies that you're going to ignore um, – market share to a certain extent, right? Obviously, you're not going to go after someone who's just selling a 1,000 units of something. But if there are two main providers of smartphones and the charge against Google that's been leveraged and again, I haven't read into this deeply, but this was just a thought that popped into my head. If the charge that's being leveraged is that on one of these dominant platforms, you have a dominant or you have this position, you're using this position uh, with your app store to in, in such a way that's anti-competitive. Can't that be leveled against the number two player as well? Right. Well, so
1: the other thing, well, it's not two players. Remember, mm. Apple's competition is uh, Samsung and and HTC and and Huawei and you know the old Nokia back in the day. Like so, they're because they're selling they're selling the hardware, whereas Google Google is in some respects the European Commission is acting on behalf of the OEMs and by mm. and by extension from the OEMs the, the consumers. In that Google is is. Making certain demands of OEMs that are anti competitive. And again, anti competitive behavior in and of itself is fine. Mm. Having a dominant market share is fine. It's when you engage in anti competitive behavior with a dominant market share that is the problem.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and it, I mean, it's also how you define the market and all these things. It was just one of these things that if the if the if the pivotal point in the case is the the app store, that's just what came to mind. But right, once once you take into account market share, then that's the um, then that's the that it, it explains it all away. You know what's interesting in terms of like these two conversations and looking back historically, is that that we finished the Apple conversation and said this week kind of represented uh, this... this uh, in, in the earnings call, it kind of represented the... In a week, just like this expression of all these trends that are coming to, to be, which is like, you know, uh, Twitter misses, Google misses, Apple misses, Facebook hits. And at the same time, right as right as it it appears like the epoch is starting to move a little bit that the eu decides that it's going to go after the 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 quote one of the dominant players in the epoch that appears to be if not fading then at least fading in relevance it is and this gets to i think the i think the commission has has
1: google dead to rights i don't see it i think there's no way Google wins this. I think they're they would be advised to settle a, a, as soon as they can, and frankly, that's okay because they're, like they're not going to be displaced, right? Like th- the network effects now are such that they will remain dominant, mm. and and Google and yes, they might someone else make a different search box on there, and and more, most concerning, you know, the the Play Store may be unbundled from the other other services. It almost certainly will be, and that's that's be the worst thing for Google because you could have an alternative. You could have an alternative operating system that has the Google App Store and has all Microsoft services, for example. Oh. but the the market can decide whether they want that or, or not, and and f- And frankly, the market, by and large, I suspect, will continue to choose the the Google alternative.
0: Well, it, it it certainly would arm the competitors to Google quite a considerable amount, though, if they were, and not necessarily the OEMs, but like companies like Amazon and the like, if you were able to fork Android, change the ser- whatever services you want, point them at, at Amazon, for example, but then still have access to the Play Store so that you weren't lagging on that one, a- a- like that one very critical area of applications for the device, that would I mean, that would that would turn around and make from a strategic perspective Google's decision to open source the whole thing and then hold out on the Play Store as the one place where you hold the leverage, it would neuter that one piece of leverage and it would really arm competitors to do whatever they wanted with Android, Google would lose complete control. Right. But so what? Like microsoft after the
1: decision achieved dominant share in 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 with, with, with Internet Explorer. And the problem is that the future one, the next moneymaker was not Mm. the browser. The browser was merely a, a, a window into this completely new world on the internet where Google is a place that people actively went to. People went to Google. Microsoft made windows live search, the default on windows well well before this lawsuit and and, and passed this. Like that was the default. Hmm. But one, no one cared in, in antitrust because no one no one even thought about the web being the sort of platform that it is today. And Microsoft, like Microsoft cared about competing in search, but they were obsessed with Netscape because that fit their mental model of of what was of what was the threat. The threat. And it actually turned out the threat was orthogonal.
0: It's what lived in the browser, not what the browser was itself.
1: This is what Google did with Android, though. They viewed Android – Android is to Google in many respects what I think Internet Explorer was to Microsoft. They saw it as this threat and this thing keeping that from the customer. But actually, the real threat to Google is what sits on top of Android and what sits on top of iOS. And that is Facebook mm. like, and, and, and there's nothing that Google can do about Facebook just as there was really nothing that Microsoft could do about, uh, about Google back in the day. And if you can argue that th- they could have done something, they would have had to have moved far earlier than they did, but they didn't because it was a, just a completely different view that, that didn't fit in the way they viewed the world. Like this idea of a social feed was It's completely orthogonal to Google search where it's, it's directed pointing you where, where to go sort of thing, just as the, the internet and being this portal to information was completely different than owning the runtime on, on, on a, a personal device.
0: I'm trying to think. So, so first of all, totally agree. You're absolutely right. It's the, the parallel is um, the parallel is very well made. The, I'm trying to think how they can abstract away some of what uh, is, like how you could do something with control of the operating system to lessen some of that power that Facebook has, like whether it's in terms of taking control of messaging or something, but it's, uh, I mean, maybe there's something, but I, 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 yeah, it's it's a struggle to see how they can bring back the user from spending all that time in that app because because the, the reason- user self selects into the app like the
1: user right. opens Facebook. A Facebook is not, and Facebook was worried about this, right? They had the Facebook Home and the, they tried to do the Facebook Phone, and they were worried about being cut off because they didn't own the consumer. But it turned out it didn't matter. The consumer. Actively went to Facebook, and they go to Facebook all the freaking time. They go to Facebook fifty minutes a day. Over a billion people go to Facebook
0: every single day. And if it, if if one of these operating system and, manufacturers, and none of them are using a Facebook phone, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And if one of these operating system manufacturers, in a uh, misguided belief that they truly own the customer, tried to cut off Facebook, I think they'd find that lose quite a lot of users. Very right. Very no one quickly. would buy
1: the phone. Exactly. 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 And and again, like. There's lots of people that like – and I, I was perhaps a little provocative when I wrote about this in my main article last week saying that how much the Microsoft case didn't matter. And this is what I meant by saying it didn't matter. Like Microsoft, it didn't matter because it was legislating and fighting a, a battle that was huge in dollar terms. And actually would continue to be huge. Like Microsoft's revenue kept growing after that. It didn't slow down at all. But from a relevance and the future of computing, it was, it was meaningless. And I definitely believe, and some people certainly disagree with me, but I definitely believe that Google would have emerged and mobile would have come along. Again, the problem with mobile is it looked like a PC, but it wasn't a PC at all, which meant the, the, the dominant PC maker was fundamentally disadvantaged in mobile. Because they they had the wrong paradigm and wrong approaches, you know, kind of locked in. Like those things would have happened whether or not the antitrust thing did or not. And and I suspect the same thing is here. Like I think the EU is probably completely right. Google is going to get a big fine. They should probably settle sooner rather than later. But I don't think that changes anything about the trajectory of of what's happening beyond that and the future.
0: I mean, there are two ways you can take this argument. One is that you, uh, one is that you get the regulator to act sooner to keep the market competitive for longer. Or one is the other extreme of the argument is you just don't have the regulator bother doing anything at, at all because these epochs just take care of themselves. And at the point at which the regulator is finally there to do something, you you uh, you like the, the thing that's really going to knock the company off is is being born in a garage somewhere in Silicon Valley. Right, and you you, and you want to be wary about knock-on effects where if you get too
1: active in regulation that instead of doing the regulation of potential monopolies that you mean to, you start killing stuff in the womb, that would actually do a better job, if that makes sense. And this, this article wasn't great, to be honest, and the reason it wasn't great is because I was so I, – i I didn't come to a strong conclusion because I, I – I'm not sure what the answer is. It's a really, really hard question. The, the issue with the aggregation theory stuff and the zero distribution cost is the end game is monopoly, right? Mm-hmm. The, the end yeah. game for Uber, the end game for Airbnb, the end game for all these sorts of things. And this is why people have been willing to dump so much money in them because like, these are monopolies. They, they achieve true profitability and dominance when they achieve monopoly status. And, and the way the network effects work is to drive towards that. And so, uh, in some respects, you, you could argue that the need for regulation is stronger. One and two, we need smarter regulation because the regulation that we have only kicks in once the monopoly is established. But once the monopoly is established, it's, it's too, too late. Light.
0: Yeah,
1: and we this goes back to what we talked about kind of kind of previously. Like under the way we define monopoly now. Yeah, it'll it'll it will only ever kick in when it's too late. So, uh, it, on one hand, you can argue that given these effects and given the way the internet affects econo- e- economics, we need actually much more active and new laws around antitrust that are that that kick in sooner. And maybe it's even like a trigger, like you pass 500 million users, you pass 200 million users, like you start having these these limitations and I propose some limitations in here. But again, the reason why I think this article was, was a bit fuzzy was at the same time, that makes me super duper uncomfortable. And it makes me uncomfortable because the history of antitrust in tech is that it actually ultimately is fighting yesterday's battles over and over again. And I'm the problem with regulation and is that, there's always unintended consequences. And the incumbents, the big companies, tend to bend the regulation to prop themselves up, to, to to keep out new entrants. And at the end of the day, what actually kills monopolies are future monopolies, right? <laughs> and I'm wary about preventing any law that moves to prevent them
0: because you're anti-monopoly. You may actually just be locking in what we have today. So the the one thing that makes me nervous about what you've said is that you're you're looking. Uh, what I what I want to be careful about is not driving the car looking out the rear vision mirror. So when it comes to technology, it's easy to see the argument that that uh, the, the technology is going to keep evolving, and there's going to be some new platform or some. Uh, S- some new technology that's going to come along and displace the previous one. My concern is that as these technology companies start to become more and more grounded in the physical world, right. the speed of replacement is not going to be the same. And what's going to happen is these monopolies aren't going to be dislodged by something else because to win in the physical world is not only way harder because there are actual things rather than just ones and zeros, but... Uh, uh, but but like the technology new technology that's going to come along and revolutionize the hotel industry sorry like that's just probably not going to happen anytime soon
1: that that's it's very well it's very well said I, I the way i would you said because things are involved it makes it harder to win but that also means that the moat is that much deeper when right. you do win yeah, and, and like we've talked about it with like the payments idea, right? The fact that the U.S. is behind on payments now because they were so far ahead, and mm-hmm. the, the 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 pain we talk with Apple Pay, right? The pain of in moving to a better solution is so great that the solution has to be massively better, mm-hmm. and you have to build in all these incentives to make it happen and get it off the ground. Because when you're involving f- the physical world, it's really hard to institute change, and it it's a great point, like. The what makes aggregation theory so so powerful is not that I'm talking like the idea of zero distribution costs is not a new idea. The idea of zero marginal costs in, in, in these things is not a new idea. What ideally is exciting about this is that it may be predictive about the effect of technology on fi- lots of industries that are based in the physical world. Mm. That you know, if if you find this digital, if there is a a linchpin that can be gi- digitized. So Airbnb, P, they digitize trust. That mm. was the key, right? You, once you digitize trust, then the effects of aggregation theory, the effects of zero-digit costs can take over and sweep over sweep over an industry. And th- the core thing here, and I, well, the reason why I, I find it compelling is there's lots of industries, trucking, like uh, built, or, 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 I don't know, garbage collection. Like th- how many industries are there where if you digitize some component of that you you introduce network effects in a way that was unanticipated and leads to the potential for for monopoly and you can definitely argue because they're physical things once a monopoly is there it's going to
0: be almost impossible to displace i mean on one hand it's super exciting thinking about how how everything could change in such a wonderful way as a result of this um just in the same way that Uber and Airbnb, in their sh- very short lives, have already, uh, they've already changed travel uh, for so many people. But uh, you start to play it out, and you get these organizations to places where they have no competition, and that's that's never been a story that's ended well for consumers. Right, and and I think the, and so the kind of the two proposals that I had kind of
1: work on both sides, like. What uh, one is mandating interoperability, like, and we've I think we've talked about this. Like, if you want to clip Uber's wings, like, force them to expose their API so you can have a meta app that mm. where it calls Lyft or Uber based on whoever is cheaper or whoever is closer or something like that. Right? That will that would put a like Uber will never expose their API willingly to allow that, mm. which which I think is a signifier that if you wanted to regulate that that's that's how that, you'd go about it and then on the and then on the the supply side what you need to be able to do is uh you need to create a a uh like portability for suppliers because what happens is the suppliers are modular suppliers right and, and they get locked into this ecosystem but the pro, like thing about uber the, the, once uber gets all the drivers like it's over it's just it's it's it, because th- you get this back and forth effect where where the the users know that the best liquidity is on Uber and the, and which means the drivers are all occupied driving around Uber customers and even if they want to carry two phones like they're always busy on Uber mm-hmm. and eventually it's not going to be even worth it to have two phones with the Lyft app or or something like that like that that that's how it's going to play out but once you get there then it's like an old fashioned monopoly it's like it's like the Android thing right it doesn't look like a monopoly because the users are self selecting into it until it actually is a monopoly and then it's too late. Because they've walked actually walked up the supply side. and so you need a way to improve portability for the suppliers to be able to to, to go back and forth. Like Airbnb, you, your reputation that you build, they digitize trust, right? That's the key to their platform. You could regulate a requirement such that people who list their homes in Airbnb have a reputation that is they can carry from Airbnb to a competitor. Right to home away or to whatever it is, and you don't have to build up a reputation on another site to to have an alternative. And again, th- this may just work at the margins, but it's all about the data. Like you, you, you making the data portable is probably the best possible antidote to to these the sort of you know monopoly effects.
0: Yeah, it's the equivalent of. Um it's the equivalent of uh, mobile number portability or some version of the equivalent of mobile a gr- that's number- a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Mobile number portability with cell phones where it, when these things first emerged, like you lost your number, if you quit the cell network and now you're able to take it with you and it's Uh, there's still a bunch of friction involved in changing in in many markets, even where they have it. But if you do get so fed up with one provider, you can switch. It is possible.
1: When you think about the the markets where there is the massive – like in a lot of uh, developing countries where the phone is sold separately from the service. Mm -hmm. And actually a huge market in, in Asia, in Southeast Asia in particular, is dual SIM phones. Mm. Where and the reason it's a huge market is people will literally change their sim on a call by call basis. Like this sim is better for long distance calls. This sim is better for texting. And they'll like they'll actually be juggling. And and there you have like you don't have a monopoly lock in at all by the mm. carriers to the extent that people are changing on a call by call basis. And it's because you've you have the port. Of, I, I guess they have two numbers, so it's not quite right. But I I would I would equivocate. No, not equivocate. No, I would. You- m- I would make the phone number is like the interoperability aspect from the end-user standpoint. And the ability to change SIM cards easily is like the supplier side. Yeah. Like, if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. Or another way of thinking about it is you you described a meta app for uh, users to log into to see whether they wanted to go uh, with – uh, with Lyft or or Uber, based on who is giving you better times and prices, like I could see that working. But you'd almost want some equivalent of that for the supplier side too, where I have a car. Side. Yeah, the driver side. I have a car. Like I'm willing to drive. Like I'll I'll log in on both networks and and. You kind of force a compa. I I don't know who, and I don't know who would make this app. Well, no one. Um, it,
1: no, it, it, it would have to be the government because it, no, right. there's no way on earth that that Uber in particular would would allow this. I mean, uh, Lyft is partnering with like Didi to to allow this, so you can be mm. in, the, in, in Didi, and if you like a Chinese tourist goes to the U.S., they can mm. use their app they're familiar with to to book Lyft. But th- again, they're doing that for competitive reasons because it makes sense. Like Uber is never going to do that. And again, but it's it's so easy. I just come back to it's really easy to sit here and pontificate on what regulators could do, but the, like the unintended knock-on effects of regulation are are it's it's a really hard problem. One because it's really easy to get it wrong. Regulators are fallible. Two, mm-hmm. the evidence over any number of industries is that regulation in the long run tends to favor the incumbents, not mm-hmm. the new entrants. And three, like. I, there how do you when do you trigger this because once it's done, it's done like so do you move in early but if you move in early are you are you going choke stuff off that you don't necessarily want to choke off it, it's it's a it's a devilishly hard problem and that that's why I had trouble coming to a
0: conclusion because i I don't know well i mean as you as you're describing the end state of these things, it does start to sound like basic infrastructure that traditionally a government might have wanted to provide like when you get to when you look at services historically where it hasn't made sense to build uh you don't want competition in roads or electricity because it doesn't make sense economically to build these things twice, and it sounds like these these uh uh, these services where they're subject to to these aggregation effects or aggregation theory, it, it, it sounds like if they end up as a natural monopoly because of the – like from an economic perspective, like you only want one of them, then maybe – maybe we need to start thinking about them particularly the physical ones more than the digital ones because i think the digital ones are going to be uh, easier to displace but for all the reasons we talked about looking at the progression from microsoft to google and apple and maybe now to facebook like i just think that the way it's going to unfold in the physical world with something like transportation i don't see that what's going to displace that in the future and it starts to look like phone lines or cable or or roads or taxis, mm. or taxis. That's the like that's that's the problem, right?
1: Mm. You 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 end up the, the taxi regulation made a lot of sense a hundred years ago. Yep, and
0: that's yep. yep.
1: So yeah, no, no, uh, no great point. The, I think we will come back to this again because it, one, uh, it's certainly something that we've been we've talked about it both on and offline for a while, and two. It's it, like I would actually like to work through this. I'm not sure what the answer is, but it, I, I, it's a lot. I think more challenging question than than it seems at first blush, re- and from whatever position you start at. Like I think it's one of those things that's easy to to very quickly say my existing worldview is correct and I should stick with it. What's mm. funny is basically everyone on all sides of the equation can say that, which is an indicator that actually it's it's really complicated because there are multiple multiple factors going to this and multiple things to be concerned about
0: well and as it as it does seep more and more into the physical world it's going to be it's not just going to be something that um that uh business like that that you know business people and like the hardcore users start to care about it's going to e- affect people's lives in a, a really meaningful way yep all okay. right well uh this is interesting um and
1: uh, I hope you have a a good rest of the,
0: rest of the trip in Florida, <laughs> Ben. You you said that with so many <laughs> syllables. I don't know. You know how to say it properly. I I feel bad. Don't worry. I've had my accent mocked all week. Yeah, don't. I don't. do. Th-
1: I do think most. Of, I do think most of the country's tomatoes are grown in Florida. So, <laughs> <laughs> piss off. Uh, very good. You, you, honestly, you barely have an accent anymore. I think I,
0: it's scary. Did I? T- I, I don't remember yeah, I, whether you've told it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've told it. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, oh, oh
1: this was very sad. Oh, it right, uh, sounds good. What well, we enjoyed like the, the two of your old guys in,
0: in in Florida. And thank uh, you.
1: <laughs> I was about to say
0: we're like the two old guys in the back of the Muppets, just <laughs> making fun of everything and ourselves all the time. What oh. are the names, Statler and? And Waldorf I don't or something? No, I something like about. that. Yeah. yeah. Very good. All right. Always a oh, pleasure. Hey, yep. Have a good night. I'll talk to you S- later. See you, mate. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.